0: Good morning, You welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship, we're glad you're here with us today, it's wonderful through this live streaming, we pray that this time together will be a blessing to you, I uh, want to encourage you, and also uh, just ask you to continue to pray. We've been on this journey with this coronavirus for quite some time, and sometimes we get weary in our praying, but obviously uh, the Bible encourages us not to be weary and well-doing, and that well-doing certainly consists of prayer. We need to continue to join our hearts together in unity and pray that God would take this uh, virus out and that we, people would be healed and also people would be protected. That even as we see cases have risen and so forth, uh, we need to pray that God would protect us and continue to guide us through this time. Be in prayer for this country. Uh, I want to just say happy 4th of July. Uh, it is a, a wonderful celebration of the 244th anniversary of our country. I am glad that I was born in the United States of America, and I had the freedom. And I don't have, no, I've never been, I guess, in places that did not have the freedom here that, uh, that we have here. And, but I'm grateful today. And I'm just thankful. I don't want to be in any other place except for where God has placed me. And he's given me the privilege of being here in this good United States of America. And I thank God that he uh, obviously established, I believe, this nation. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. And I believe that he is sustaining this nation even as we speak. So I want you to continue to pray that uh, God would bless America. But not only that, that America would bless God. Amen. That America would bless God. And how do we do that? We do that by returning to Him. So let's begin with prayer this day. I pray people be healed. People will be delivered as they watch this. And we ask You, Holy Spirit, that You would do that in Jesus' name. Father, we just bow this morning and thank You for this wonderful day. We thank You for this nation, Lord. Called the United States of America, that we know that many people have given their lives, that we can can come before, and I can stand in this pulpit and proclaim that Jesus is Lord today with the freedom of knowing that, that governmental figures will not come in and, and take me off the jail, that I have the freedom of religion, and I have the freedom, Lord, of speech, and Lord, all these things that the Declaration of Independence and also the Bill of Rights has provided for, for all people here. We thank you, and we celebrate that today. And so, Lord, we thank you again for your presence. But, Holy Spirit, today, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to come. We invite you here. We want you here. We ask you to move in our midst. And, Lord, those who are watching, we ask you that you would move in homes and places of residence, that they would be touched by your presence. They'd be aware that they're in the presence of the Lord. Father, I continue to pray that we would all have a phileo encounter with you, Father, because we know when we know your tenderness and your love for us and, and Lord, your personal uh, uh, being in us and, and your movement in our lives, dear Lord, that we know that nothing can stop us. And we know, Lord, that scripture, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, becomes a reality. And we pray today, Lord, you would speak and let me get out of the way. And let your word and your truth go forth, touch our lives, change us, oh God, protect us, deliver us, and Lord, save us. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. I want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. We're going to talk about the truth that sets you free. Jesus said that, amen. The truth will set you free. And in verse, I'm going to start actually in verse uh, uh, 13 here. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. Wonderful truths in that word. You see, and with the salt, we're the light. And If the salt loses its savor, then it's no longer good. It's only good just to be thrown out. In other words, we make a difference. Your life, my life, and corporately, here as we gather here in the church house, is we make a difference. We are a light to, in the darkness that comes in so easily and, and so quickly many times. And so you and I, and the light, it is the light of Jesus that's in our lives, and we make a difference. And when we stop making a difference, obviously, we, we have no, of no use, really, in that sense, Okay. And so when we stop seeing where our primary purpose is and why we are here and believe that maybe it's just here to maybe get a few more bigger toys, then we lose sight of why we're here. When we get focused and caught up in all the things and busyness of the world, we realize that we're not really doing and serving the highest purposes of our God. So today I want to talk about something I think real simple. It's going to be really simple. It's not a complicated thing, but I want to talk about in relation to our country today here as we celebrate the 244th anniversary of our freedom here. And I would ask you, and, and I ask myself, what would Washington uh, think or Jefferson think or Adams think or others think uh, of this country uh, almost 240, uh, here 244 years Since the founding, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, if they looked at this country today, what would they think? Think about it. What would they think, certainly? Would they recognize it? Would they still want to live in it? Has it changed too much? Have we strayed too far from that Constitution? that we believe sets the boundaries and sets the stage for the direction that we're to continue to go at in this country. You know, people today do not believe that the Constitution holds any sway in in certainly the governance of this nation today. They believe that it's an archaic type of document, and they believe it was signed by men who obviously had lots of faults. And yes, we all have faults. Yes, we do. But you see, what we do is we learn from those mistakes and we correct those mistakes. But what would these men, the founders, think of, of this nation today? I was reading about the life of George Washington. And many people <clears throat> don't know that George Washington had a, a deep faith in God. If you remember there at Valley Forge, how they persevered and and, continued and, and, and uh, defeated the British, uh, we see. He was a man. He didn't give up. He continued on. And and we know eventually becoming the first president of the United States of America and so forth. But he was a man of prayer. It's really a wonder as I look at people's lives and see where did the power come from where they were able to persevere through uh, adversity like I've never known. How about if you were at Valley Forge during that winter when they were fighting the British and you didn't have any shoes and many people obviously they were frostbit and, and all the things that happened during that cold winter and all. How would you persevere? Would you continue on? Realizing that this was obviously life or death and this was uh, freedom or, or actually captivity and so forth. Would you have continued on? But you see, Washington was a man of prayer. And I believe behind the power in his life was God Almighty because of his faith in God. Many of the documents show that also. Many people believe that George Washington was a deist, which means that he believed that God created the world and then he went off somewhere and he was no longer Uh, uh, you know, uh, involved in the affairs of of people and affairs of the things on this earth. They believe he just created things. Yeah, there's a God, but he doesn't have anything to do what's going on in in the world today. But that's not true. George Washington was not a deist. George Washington believed that God was involved in the affairs of people and that he delivered, obviously, those colonists as they fought for the freedom. Eventually, they're the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And so what would they do? Would they want to live here? You see, these people believed in a novel idea that has affected human history and self-governance and so forth. No longer was there a need for a king or a queen or a system of royalty at all. And no knights or no lords or other royalty at all they didn't need that. And, and, and so they wanted freedom. They didn't want people. They wanted deliverance from that captivity of the bureaucracy, as you may put it like that. Certainly that word fits, and that word fits today, doesn't it? We want to be free. We want to make the decision, you know? Uh, And so certainly uh, we were the ones that came, and we wanted to fight that. And so these people that went before us were uh, fighters. They were people who persevered. But I believe you could actually, and I'll suggest to you, there were two other declarations of independence before the main one there in 1776. And the first declaration of independence was when the Mayflower came over and landed at at Plymouth Rock there. Uh, These people broke away from Britain because why? They wanted a freedom of worship. They did not want the state telling them, how to worship or or where to worship or when to worship and are controlling their worship. And so they broke away and and came over here. And I don't know whether or not y'all have ever seen one of those little boats like it came over. I I was raised in Virginia and they had the the little boats or replicas of those little boats in Jamestown, Virginia. And, And these were little boats. They were not big, but they crossed that ocean. They came over here and risked their life. And many people died as a result of it. And even after they came over here, and yet we stand here today and I thank God that God has blessed America. And I'm going to share. I believe something that I believe I can prove that God has established this nation called the United States of America. And I believe he's still working in this country. I don't believe he's taking his hand off of it. I believe he wants us to return to him and ask him for his help and his guidance and so forth. But I don't believe by his grace that he's removed his hand. America began, you see, not as a political experiment, but as a religious sanctuary. The pilgrims were motivated, motivated by a deep piety to become free to serve the Lord and to worship as they desired there. And so, in a way, when they landed, they were declaring their certainly uh, religious independence from Britain and all. And this religious independence and fervor spread throughout the colonies. And uh, they declared that this was a declaration of their independence that they were breaking away and worshiping God. And again, I want to emphasize here, this was not a political experience, experiment. This was a religious sanctuary that they were coming to. We're talking about this country was established upon Judeo-Christian principles and the word of God. Amen. The word of God. The other, I believe, declaration was the First Great Awakening. That First Great Awakening happened uh, in between 19, 1730 and 1770. It was an awakening there that took place. And we know we've read about revivals and I've shared about revivals. And this was a revival a uh, major. It was actually people awakening to the fact that the, of the presence of God, the holiness of God. Obviously, the... The God who came and, and wants to be a part and wants to be our life and wants to do the things with us and, and wants us to walk with him day by day and have communion and have fellowship with him. This was an awakening to the awareness that God, there is a God and, and he's alive. And so you see, this happened at that time, right before the signing of the Declaration of, of Independence there. Uh, we think about this today. There, There were many people who who were involved in these movements. And and, uh, we see that these particular spiritual experiences affected their political decisions. Isn't that great? Let me say it again. Is their spiritual experiences somehow affected their political decisions? Now, can we say that today? Can we say that people today, you know, when, when they were making decisions there, when they were putting this, this, these documents together and all and I believe it was Ben Franklin he called them together and he said let's have a prayer meeting let's pray about this let's seek the face of God to determine what he wants to do with this country I believe we need to return to that too we need to pray like we've never prayed before I, we, I believe we need to pray that our leaders would see the importance today of God and the, as the foundation of this country in other words, the Mayflower Voyage and the First Great Awakening were moral and spiritual, not political movements, that affected our founding fathers' views and values, and again, influenced their political decisions. And, and again, the point of this brief history lesson is twofold. First of all, is religion or faith, or whatever you want to call it, is a centerpiece of our national history that continues to this present day. That moral and, and religious faith there is a centerpiece for our national history of what we see. It is a foundation for this country. The second thing here is why I'm mentioning this is the freedom to choose. That faith is a fundamental issue to this day. The freedom to choose, and we give people people the freedom of religion. We give people who do not believe like we believe the freedom and the choice to be able to believe like they want to believe. They're not dictated by the state to somehow believe what the state believes. And we're not dictated. We have the right to look and study the Word of God and believe what we believe from this Word and what God has spoken to mankind down through the many, many years today. We have that choice. Isn't that great? Think of it here. We read these words in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, those are some words that ring in my ears and ring in my heart today. How about you? Rings, and I'm telling you, God has given us that freedom. We pursue that happiness and so forth. And so I want to just again today say is that look how God has set this nation up think about it look how God has established this nation here it was it as a barren land certainly the Indians were over here and and all but all that they had to come over and obviously as they came over and they uh, traveled from the east coast to the west coast and they established uh, cities and, and and so forth and and they tilled the land and they made a living, and so forth. Look how God set this thing up here. I believe that God's hand has been on this nation from the very beginning. I personally believe that God prompted the people to come over there in their hearts, to come over to this new place, to be able, the freedom to worship God as they see fit. And my hope is that, again, that we will bless God, as I mentioned here, by returning to Him. There actually were 86 Edits to the Declaration of Independence. So it wasn't a, a document that was put together there just sort of casually and so forth. It was great prayer and thought as they put these things together today. And I pray today that we would still go back to that document and the founding principles and values that we know surround that document. And then implement them and integrate them into our society, into our culture today. And that we would return to the Lord today. I believe today. Revival and Jesus is the only answer. And I believe that these truths are very, very important. You know, I think about it, Jesus talks about truth. These truths. He te- speaks about it in, two, in particular two aspects there in scripture. In John chapter 14. Remember what he says? And I'll, I'll quote it to you. In John chapter 14, 1 through 6. And he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and receive you unto myself, that you may be where I am also. Remember Thomas? He got the, kind of the bad rap there. Is, and the name Doubting Thomas and so forth. And, and Thomas was saying, where are you going, Lord? We don't understand this and so forth. Remember what Jesus said to him there in verse 6? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. The truth. Remember that, the story there? And then in John chapter 18, listen to this. This is when Jesus was getting ready to go to Calvary. And he was standing trial before Pilate. Pilate had the power of life and death over Jesus. And here, and, and it states, Pilate replied, you're a king. And he's talking to Jesus. You say that, I, and Jesus said, you say I'm a king, and you're right, Jesus said. And he says, I was born for this, that purpose. And I came to bring truth to the world. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And remember what Pilate did when he looked at him? He said, what's the truth? Pilate said, what's truth? You see, Pilate couldn't see truth standing right in front of him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. It's by giving our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, surrendering and saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come in my life and set me free. I know I'm bound and I have this shame and guilt because of all these things I've done in my past and I want to be free, Jesus. Come in and save me. You see, Jesus is telling that and he's saying that to the world today also. And you see, I think these people who are tearing down everything and trying to burn down everything in one way or another, what they're doing is searching for truth. They're looking for love in all the wrong places, trust me. But they're searching for truth, I believe, because Jesus is the answer. And Pilate was looking right at Jesus and said, what is truth? You see, his heart had become so hardened that anyway, he did not even see truth when he was looking at at him in the face. You see, there are absolute truths today. Many people deny them. Many people have walked away from them. They're saying, whatever's relative, whatever thing you want to do, whatever feels good, do it, you know, you know, go for all the gusto in your life and so forth. And they say, there are no absolutes, you know, they're old fashioned things. You know, you must be a Bible thumper or whatever it may be that they call you. And then they walk away with you, maybe sometimes with disgust. But you see today, there are absolute truths, whether or not we want to believe them or not. And they're in God's word. And God is saying today, we've got to return to him and return to his word. And those things that made this country great today, those principles that were were founded upon those uh, the word of God, and we know, even Patrick Henry, and many of them will talk, that it's founded on Jesus. Jesus, that's what it's founded on. We've got to return to him, you see. You see, what truths, what values do we hold? Should we hold as followers of Jesus? And I want to suggest to you, and this is, suggestion here they're biblical but I want to suggest to you six things that I believe are based on the Bible that really we need to uh, govern our lives by that will make a difference in our lives and also may I certainly say will make a difference in our church corporately will make a difference in your families but also most of all it will make a difference in society today the first truth or value here is that we've got to live by affirmation You see, because we need to affirm all people because everyone's created in God's image. You believe that everybody's been created no matter what color your skin is, no matter what you look like, no matter what nationality you are. No matter what culture you are, we are all created in God's image. We are obviously born here. God has, has given us the privilege of birth here. And they, he obviously holds out that gift of salvation to all. He wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. But he holds that out to all today. But we are all. We need to affirm one another. And sometimes that doesn't happen here. We are created in God's image. And we're all redeemable by his grace. In Romans 12, 15 Paul speaks of the ability to emphasize one important way to infirm others with people in various situations. In other words, when they're happy, be happy. When they're sad, enter into that realm of sadness. Empathize with them. Listen to them. You know, people today want to be listened to. You know, sometimes people say, yeah, but Jim, you have those counseling skills and so forth. Let me tell you, one of the things that I do and I, I do when, I, when someone's talking to me is I just settle in and I listen. Because people want to be heard today. You know what can diffuse many things today that is causing conflict? That is to sit and just listen. And just listen to them. People want to be heard. You see, people want to be valued, don't they? People want to know that they count. That they're worth something. I remember as I worked in a management position, but also there in hospice all those years, I thought to myself... And having to get a hospice team and a hospice organization together, I, I sort of thought if, if management could sometimes teach them how that they uh, realize that they, they are valued by this organization, you know what people would do? They would do anything for you. They'll work harder than you'd ever imagine realizing that you're valuable in this organization realize that you're valuable in the body of christ realize that you're valuable in this church called lighthouse fellowship and where god has established you and i want to affirm every one of you today in the name of jesus that you're very important and all of us are gifted and being used by the lord every one of us in here need to be affirmed amen that's something we need to do that's something we can do and it's not really that hard. It doesn't take a theological degree. It doesn't take a teacher, a pastor, even teaching you about it. It's you, something you and I can do to affirm because we matter to God. We matter to God. You're important. Man, you look different than I do. And you'd say the same thing about me. Okay? You never said that. But I know you're thinking it. You, know. you look different, Jim. You're a little different. You, you're kind of wacky. You're kind of different. You're kind of nerdy, Jim, you know, and all. Whatever I am, please affirm me, okay? And so the same way that goes with you, you know, affirm you because you're important and you matter to God. God may be the way I am, cold country boy, you know. English is not real good. In the way of putting things together, computer skills are lacking. All this stuff, but we need affirmation. The second thing here is certainly is acceptance. Isn't it simple today? In Romans fifteen seven. The Word of God says, and Paul is writing this, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order what? To bring praise to God. You know what you can do in ministry? You obviously, you have gifts, and God releases those gifts as gifts of grace. We don't earn them, but He gives them to us. Why? For the edification of the body, for Christians, and so forth. You may be at Walmart, wherever it may be. But he says here, accept one another. For the praise of God. In other words, you bless God when you accept people. I may not accept what you do. But as a person, I accept you. You're created in God's image. And so I accept you. I may disagree with you. You may oppose me. And you may persecute me. But I accept you for who you are. I pray for you. But I accept you. you people need to have that, okay? Because rejection... I believe is one of the things the enemy uses, the enemy of our soul, rejection. People feel rejected. People feel rejected many times by the church. They feel like the church has somehow abandoned them. And people feel rejection. They need to know they're accepted. They're, they're important. They matter to God. It's important. Listen to this little story. The story is told of a cowboy, a cowboy who went to church for the first time in his life. And related his adventure to a friend. And he says this. I rode up on my horse and tied it up by a tree in the corral. And the friend says, you don't mean corral. You mean parking lot. He said, I don't know. Maybe that's what it's called. The cowboy said, then I went in through the main gate. And the man says, you don't mean the main gate. You mean the front door of the church. Well, anyway, a couple of fellas took me down the long chute. He says, you don't mean the long chute, you mean the center aisle. Well, I guess that's what they call it. And then they put me in one of those, those little box stalls. You don't mean a box stall, you mean a pew. Oh yes, now remember, said the cowboy, that's what the lady said when I sat down beside her. I know who listened to me and who didn't you. <laughs> see, the lady, why? Why She wasn't, she was afraid of him. He didn't look like her. He's a rough old tumble cowboy. He didn't smell like her, okay? And so, out of that fear, you see, what happens in our, in our lives is we fear people, so therefore we reject them, and we stay away from them. And it may be that God is putting us in the place of somebody in that very nature that God wants us to accept. So we need to do that, because Obviously, acceptance of others is very difficult at times, and I recognize that, and you do too. But think of God's acceptance of us. He took me in all with all my quirks, he, with all the things in my life and all, and he offered me salvation through Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful. I'll be grateful forevermore. Amen. And so he accepted me, accepted you, and certainly we think of, think of God's acceptance of us. He's holy. We're not. He's righteous, we aren't. He's love, and we make feeble attempts to love, don't we? We make feeble attempts to love, but in his love and mercy, he accepts us, and he makes us new creatures as we accept and receive his his forgiveness. Let me ask you on a, a scale of one to five, one being not at all, and five being really good and so forth, how are you with accepting others? One to five. How? Think about it. The third here, value or truth, as we think about it, we've got to appreciate people. We've got to thank people. We've got to, <clears throat> you know what I try to make it a, a point of is when people do something or even when they don't, I many, many times will say thank you. I'm just getting a habit of saying thank you. And it's not here where I'm not insincere necessarily, but I get in the habit. People I walk up to, sometimes little teenagers, maybe it might be in McDonald's or some place. you know, they're trying to make a living. Or they're trying to work hard. They're there making minimum wage many times. Trying to make it through life. I'll thank them for making my sandwich. Or thank them for doing this or offering me this or that. Thank you. And I express it out verbally. I express it to them. How often do we thank people. And just show appreciation for them. Those things that we all can do. That's not really hard. How often do we go out of our way. Maybe to go over and say thank you. And so forth. And certainly we need to, obviously, when we show appreciation through uh, our, our tipping and so forth, keep in mind there, God has given us, he owns it all. And so often we know the 15% and the 20% and all that. But many times, you know, we look at it and somebody may be working hard and they may have really given good service. And thank you for that good service. Thank you for that, whatever it may be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, we, Now all of you together are Christ's body. And each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Think about it here. People here uh, have trouble affirming and accepting what he was talking about in that particular body. Because that was a church, the Corinthian church. They were having trouble. They were grumbling. They were uh, doing all these things. And Paul was trying to set them straight. He was trying to give them direction as far as in a godly manner to how to do these things here. I I read an article by a lady here that... um, She was working with a particular Baptist church in North Carolina, and she worked for two hours, two years to help this congregation release the God-breathed ministry dreams inside their members. She continued, Uh, their work was tested within 70 people hosted a community-wide event that grew as a response to the school shootings in in, uh, Colorado. As leaders first talked about logistics, many people seemed overwhelmed and thought, you know. Then suddenly one person stood and said, I work with closed circuit TV. I'll be on the technical team. And then another person responded, I've handed out catering uh, for 1,500 people. I'll serve on the catering team. And when the volunteering stopped, 15 ministry teams had been formed and every need was met. And you see the church accomplished more than imagined because it created equipping culture. All of us have gifts. All of us can do something, can't we? No matter what it is, we need to obviously use those gifts here. And I believe this is a word for the church in America. Everybody needs to come together. And I grew up, it seemed like to me, I was never really, maybe I was taught that and I ignored it. But the pastor did it all. You know, he always did this and now he's the one. He's paid to do what he's doing and so forth. And so he needs to do it. But I believe the whole body operating the way the church was obviously intended by God Almighty, it could be a powerhouse and ministry to the community and beyond today. So we need to obviously do those things, and we need to say thank you, Father. The fourth truth that we see here is that we need to express love to people because of God's great love for us here. Uh, It's important to realize that, that Paul reminded the Corinthians that love is better than any spiritual gift there could ever be love supersedes everything I can have all the gifts in the world I can do this and I can do that and minister in the power of God's spirit and, and move and, and the gifts of the spirit and so forth and all that but if I don't have love it's up to no avail love in 1 Corinthians 13 you can read it love takes all of it if I don't have love it's to naught. you see courage is fear that has been conquered by love and think about it that fear that lady had when the cowboy sat down and she smelled him you know, obviously he kind. Of, she was like, kind of like, I, I'm I'm dressed in my nice dress or whatever it may be, and so forth. But I'm not picking on on any lady or anybody because it happens on both sides. It happens with everybody. It happens with me. And people don't look like us, don't talk like us, maybe don't smell like us, they're the people God sends us to. Really, he's they're the people that we can make that difference here because we're afraid of them based upon their appearance. You know, obviously, uh, appearances are deceptive, right? God says he looks at the heart. Remember what he told David? David was short. And they had discounted him and all that. And remember, when he came in, he was made king. Because God saw David's heart. And David's heart was after God. And he looks at your heart and my heart. He doesn't look at my my hair, my gray hair, or lack of hair, whatever it may be. He looks at my heart, looks at your heart. Say, you know... If you think about it, if I'd ask you here, how can you I express love to this person or that person and all that? God will show you if you ask him here. And then again, on a scale of one to five, how much are you expressing that love to other people? The fifth value or truth here here is be available to people because God has made his salvation available to us. Remember what he said in Matthew 19? Let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If he's available to us, we need to be available to people here. You know, at times we need rest and relaxation too. And we have a lot of things. And I believe some things in this country have kept us from moving into the things of God that God would have us to be. Because we got so much stuff. We got the storage bins out all over. They're being built over and over. I mean, all over the place all the time. Because we've got so much stuff. Even people building new houses nowadays, they've got new, they don't have just a one-car garage or the carport. What they have now is a three-car garage, a four-car garage, and what happens is they can't get their cars in the garage. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. They're parked on the driveway. Because their garages are full. We got a lot of stuff, don't we? Think about what's really valuable. You know I told you, I've said this many times. Doing funerals over the years of many people in hospice and all and so forth. And the casket sometimes will be open and all that. And I look in there and, of course, the people are there. And that person's not there. It's just a shell, okay? But I look in that casket. And I didn't see anything that person's taking with them. Can't take it with you. The only thing you can take with you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I read a survey, and this is uh, several years ago. That took place several years ago. And this survey, listen to this, estimated that 65% of those born uh, before 1946, uh, or between, say for example, 1924 to 1945, and they were commonly referred to as the builders, indicated uh, a born again experience. So 65% said they were born again, okay? 35% said they weren't. For those born between 1946 and 1964, they were called boomers. The opposite is true. Only 35% claim a born-again experience and 65% don't. From those born from 64, 1964 to 1984 or so, they're called busters. Only 10% claim a Christian experience. 90% don't. And for those yet younger called bridgers, only 4% claim to be saved. don't. Ooh, staggering, isn't it? Whether or not it's completely accurate or not, I believe that we're seeing that. We're seeing the people that uh, they weren't, I was raised in the church, my brother and I, and so I had the word of God, didn't always walk with the Lord, but I knew the truth, and I knew what was real. And I came back, and Jesus drew, drew me back. He gave me that chance to come back. But you see today, many people today, they don't know. People today, parents will tell their children, they can't go to church, don't go to church. Many par- parents back then in my age, they sometimes would let the children go with somebody else that was going to church. Maybe they didn't go, but they let the children go. Today, they're saying, Mm-mm, not taking it. It's not really anything valuable in that. Who wants to go there and hear the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And no man comes to the Father unless the, the Spirit of God draws him. Nobody. Nobody. And the only way faith can be obviously quickened to where there's a move. A conviction is through God's Spirit. We need to pray, church. We have a prayer work cut out for us. We have our ministry cut out for us here, don't we? And all the churches do. I want churches to hear this. You see, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he didn't have people come to them. He went, he went to them, to, to him. He went to them. He went out. The ministry here is not within these four walls. The ministry's out there. The ministry that we can share with other people. And as God gives us opportunities, we need to take that opportunity. Be available here for those who are searching for truth. The truth today. I believe that we have a really vital ministry here coming. And I believe that the Spirit of God is being poured out. We need to be prepared. Amen? The sixth truth here is that we need to be, we know that uh, we are accountable as stewards of our time and talent and treasures and temple to God and one another here. We are accountable. We will give a personal account to God of our lives. I'm not talking about in that sense at the great white throne of judgment where people who have rejected Christ will be, the final judgment will take place. I'm not talking about that. If you're saved today and you're sitting here are you listening to this live streaming today and you've accepted Jesus in your, in your life and all, and you know Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior, then I you're saved and you're going to heaven. But I'm talking about today that the things that we do not for ourselves, not certainly to gain our salvation, but those things that we do because we are saved, because we love Jesus, Those things that God is calling us to do for the church to arise and and go forth into the communities, out into the world, and share the good news of Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying here, we will give an account for everything. He says, the Bible says, we'll give an account for every word, really. Now, grace covers that, certainly. But we need to be on our toes. And we need to obviously know that our purpose for for being here. We need not to be afraid of that and walking in in condemnation. That's not from the Lord, definitely. That's from the enemy. But we need to know our lives count for the Lord when we step out, when we are living for Him, when we're seeking Him with all of our hearts. Little story. You know, we think of accountability here in this term. The mother was taking a nap while her eight-year-old son was playing in the living room. And while the boy was playing, a van crashed through the picture window. And the boy was surprised but unhurt. And the mother, of course, raced to the living room and screamed out the name of her her son. And and the boy was afraid. But he said, but mom, honestly, I didn't do it. We need, we know we are accountable here. He was, I didn't do it, you know. So we are, accountability is important. And we're responsible. We will give an account for how we use the gifts and the talents and the time. And obviously, uh, the things we have given back to the Lord. Not for our salvation. That's by grace through faith alone, but the things that we do, that because we love Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Almost two hundred, certainly two hundred forty-four years ago, a group of men were meeting in trying circumstances. A war was on, and armies were marching and doing battle, and they believed in certain truths that ultimately would form one of the human history's greatest nations. I believe the United States is certainly. They were willing to sacrifice their very lives for making these truths a reality in a new experiment called uh, democracy. What if Ben Franklin, think about this, would have said, I give up. This stuff is too hard. I'm going to fly a kite. What if George Washington would have telephoned from the battlefield and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm outgunned. I'm outmanned and outtrained. I'm going back to Mount Vernon and farm." you get another general. What if he said that? What if James Madison had said, this will never work, we can't do it. I don't have time for all this Declaration of Independence work. I'm calling Dolly and telling her, let's start the snack cake business you've been wanting to start. (laughs) What if Thomas Jefferson had said, I'm getting writer's cramps. Can't you guys do anything to help me out? I'm going back to Monticello. What kind of freedom will we have? These six truths I've shared with you today have eternal consequences. To make them a reality requires our sacrifice. You see, I believe we're engaged in a more radical revolution than was taking place in 1776. Don't you? I believe that we're engaged in a radical uh, revolution in this country today, which is going to take me and you churches today coming together, praying like we've never prayed, don't give up, don't give up, you see. We're engaged in in a revolution of the human heart and soul that's made possible only by the tremendous sacrifice of God's Son. And I challenge you on this time, the day after the 4th of July, just to recommit yourselves to being a part of that ministry of reconciliation of reconciling and praying for people and sharing as God gives you opportunities about your faith in Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done in your life and the life of you see around other people today. I challenge you with that. You see, we have the answer. Remember what the scripture I read in Matthew chapter 5? That we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. It's the light of Jesus. It's the salt of Jesus that's there in our lives. He said, if we lose our saltiness, we're not worth anything. If we do not, the light's not shining. The light's kind of dim. It's not shining in the darkness today. You guys step into a dark room. What happens when you turn the light on? The darkness is gone. We've got to turn the light of Jesus on in our lives out there and walk that walk that Jesus has called you and I and the church to walk in like we never have before, church. We've got to do that today because obviously I believe everything depends upon it. I believe that everything depends upon it. For this nation, for our our families today. Don't give up. You see, if these founders had have given up, where would we be today? And let me tell you, they had certainly uh, rights to do that, didn't they? They were in some dire circumstances. Because they were outgunned and they were outmanned. The British Army was one of the the largest armies and well-trained armies at that time known to man. And here, George Washington and this little motley crew of men... Went forth, very little clothing, very little f- food. Many people lost their lives and they defeated and drove the British back. How does that happen? By the supernatural power of God Almighty. And the only thing that can drive the darkness out of this nation today is what? The supernatural power of our Lord God Almighty. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take resolution to say, I'm not giving up. And I'm not backing down. I'm going forward. No matter what I see happening today, I don't care. And you know, I, I've always said, if I'm the only one standing today, I will stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. I will stand. And I'm not just kind of piped up here sharing these things. If we don't take that resolution or make that in our heart of hearts, then when, the, when going gets tough, because I don't know what the future holds, I don't know what this next election holds. I don't know what the next year holds. I don't know. I don't, and neither do you. But God does. And he's our Savior. He's rescued me out of sin, out of the muck. And he set my feet upon a rock. His name is Jesus. And he can do that for this nation today, but he's the only one. It won't take seminars saying to learn how to do this. Nothing wrong with seminars. But ultimately, what it's going to take is a heart change for Jesus to come in and change people's hearts, make them, a new, make them new creatures, make them new creations in his image. And, and, and they're born again today. And to turn these statistics around that are, are really alarming to me will take a move of God like we've never seen before. You see, what I'm believing today is for that uh, third great awakening, there have been two awakenings. I'm praying that third great awakening will take place. There are many people, believe it, and I'll tell you right now, many correspondents that I get in different ways, there are people praying for that third great awakening across his land. Why? It's because people realize, if we don't have that, God doesn't do that. We're saved. We're going to heaven. But I want as many people to go to heaven as possible. I don't want people going out in darkness without God. I want them saved today, and I know you do too. Amen. Amen. Happy 4th of July. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening today. And just thank the Lord for you and bless you in Jesus' name. So I just want to pray today. I pray you all have a happy, wonderful day. We're going to celebrate a baptism here in a little bit as we go over to uh, a family's pool. And, uh, and a person has made the, the uh, decoration. They, they want to get baptized. They want to be a witness. They want that outward witness or something that's happened in that person's life that they have accepted, received Jesus Christ, and they have been born again, made anew. And anybody certainly there, uh, as we talk about that, excited about that, is I just want you to know today that you too can be saved because of what Jesus Christ has done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us. We thank you for the privilege of being able to share your wonderful, awesome word, Lord. Wonderful word. And thank you for your presence in this place. We pray for these who are here today. We pray for those who are watching. That today, Father, would be the day of their salvation. And they would surrender their hearts to Jesus. And we pray today, Father, for this nation again. That it will return to God. And Father, today, if we call it that third great awakening would take place and sweep across this land. And actually, that'd be your spirit moving in the church house again, moving across communities today that are spiritually dead. And you would awaken and quicken their hearts to the reality of your presence and your desire to have a relationship with them. We ask you, Father, today that you would do that by the grace of God, your grace, Lord. We ask you, Father, today to continue. Keep your hands upon America. May we return and bless you. And we ask in you, Lord, that God would bless America. Yes, Lord. But we pray we would again. We would bless you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we thank you again. We bless everyone that's watching this in the name of Jesus. And bless those here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I pray you all have a wonderful day after the 4th of July. Enjoy all. Be careful. And continue on doing the work of God. Amen.